Well, hello, hello, hello. God bless you. Welcome to Bible Study Live. Uh, see so many wonderful people already with us, and we appreciate you for being online. We also appreciate those of us who are in the building. So, having said that, remember to like, comment, and share, and let us bow our heads and go right into a word of prayer. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you, God. We appreciate you. God, we ask that you would bless our study, illuminate our study, continue to strengthen us in this new year, and help us to move out in, uh, in a way that would be a blessing to others, a blessing to ourselves, and ultimately pleasing to you. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been kind of working with this theme, uh, Better Me in 2023. And I'm not one who normally tries to rhyme with the new year, but this just happened to fall in line with what the Lord was uh, sharing with me. And so uh, we talked about it a little bit uh, at the beginning. We talked about a same me, and then we talked about better me and, and talked about the idea of better. And so I wanted to go back to that as we moved into what we talked about Sunday. So better me in 2023 and we gave this declaration a week ago, better is coming to me in 2023. And we were talking about the idea of sometimes when you can't get to better, better has to get to you because uh, maybe you're too exhausted by what you've had to face. But God being as good as he is, sometimes he brings the better to you. And so we are believing for the better, not just in us getting better, but also better actually getting to us. But having said that, there is uh, an understanding that we sometimes we know that we need to raise our level as well. And so let's define what that looks like, what better looks like, since we've been talking about it, of a more excellent or effective type or quality. Uh, another way to say it, just raising, raising the standard, raising our own personal standard and believing that God is allowing the standard of uh really the standard of our blessing to come up from what it's been in the previous years. And so having said that, what does that look like in synonym form? Um, superior, finer, of higher quality, greater, more suitable, more desirable, more acceptable, a cut above in a different class. And then in many ways, there are many points and portions of our life that need to come up for whatever reason and what we're doing, we're trusting God to do that for us because sometimes we've done all that we can do and we still haven't always reached the uh, cut above that we want to in every area of our life because we're human. We all have areas of our life that we know need to come up higher. And so we're trusting God to do that. But having said all of that and uh, really the first two weeks that, that we've preached from this year, was to alleviate the pressure. Uh, we talked about the same me, that, you know, God didn't have to bless a new me, that God can take the same me and actually bless me. And then we talked about uh, better and how that God sometimes will bring the better to us. And so the purpose of those things was to alleviate the pressure of thinking we have to do everything to get the better to come. But instead, we have to trust God and trust his process and know that God will bring us to to the better because God is doing the ultimate work in our life. But if we really, really believe that, then what are the areas that we should focus on, on being better? And instead of trying to be uh, better in all these areas, like being a uh, 
better this, that, and the other. We were just wanted to simplify and find a way where we could actually be better in something that we know we can do. Like, um, to be a better steward of my money, it's, it's going to take some time to switch from wherever I am to another level, to be a better eater or a better at my physical health, a better spouse, a better son, better daughter. Sometimes those things take time. You can't just snap your finger and in the new year become better. And so that's why we said we want to alleviate the pressure and let, let us know that if we invite God in, he will get us to those uh, things throughout this year in his timing. But what is something that we can do? And so we parked at this idea here, better Christians, better Christians. So instead of just trying to be a better human all of a sudden and trying to do it all in our own energy, we're trusting God to help us get there. But what about just my own Christian walk as it relates to other people? Maybe that's what I should be focusing on. And so oftentimes in a new year, we're so individualistic trying to get better for us, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I I was trying to prove to us that many times when we do that, we get into a lot of anxiety. And then sometimes by February and March, when we haven't hit certain things, we get tricked into giving up. And the next thing you know, you are depressed and bothered by how things have gone. And by the time December is rolling around, you're trying to gear yourself up for a new year. So I'm trying to break that cycle, but instead institute this cycle. What about instead of worrying about all the individual things that I need to get done? What if I can just be a better person, a better Christian to others? What if I can start there and let God work out the rest? Yes, I may need to be a better husband, a better father, and I may be doing all I know to do and still know there's another level to get there and think, man, that's overwhelming trying to figure out how, how do I, how do I become a better father to changing children? I was a good father when my kids were 10, but now they're teenagers. Things are changing. So I, I don't know how to do all that. So I got to trust God for that. But at the end of the day, I can be just a better Christian. I can just be better to the average person. And if I do that, then it'll, it'll, uh, they'll, they will, I hate to use a real deep word, but they would juxtapose themselves together or, uh, or a generic word would be they would butt themselves up together. In other words, what I don't want to happen is God to bring better to me in my individual life, but my Christianity is down here. So God is doing all this work to bring my life up here, but my Christianity is down here. So how about I just let God deal with this part and then I raise this part. And what that means is you just have to care about your fellow man. You have to care about your fellow man receiving Christ, receiving the blessings of God, just like you are. In other words, you can't be so focused on you that you forget about your fellow man. So some people, uh, uh, the idea of get rich or die trying, some people have that idea, but it's at the expense of others. Yeah, I, listen, I don't care what happens to the rest of them. I, I'm going to get mine. I got, hey, I've, I've waited long enough. And so when you come into a new year, sometimes people talk about all the folk you have to cut off and all this and instead of focusing on that, what if I can just say, 
I'm going to do my level best to let the Christ that's in me flow out of me to other people. And while I'm working on receiving all these other things that I know I need to be better in, let it be said of me that I'm at least a good Christian and not just a good Christian. I'm a better Christian than I was before. So having said that, what we have to do is strip away some of the traps that churches and Christians get into that make them weak Christians. Sometimes they are good people, but they're weak Christians. Sometimes their finances have gotten better, but their Christianity hasn't gotten better. Their health has gotten better, but their Christianity hasn't gotten better. And the problem with that is ultimately we're trying to win people to Christ. So if we're getting better in many areas, but our witness isn't getting better and people are turned off from Christ, we're actually losing. So we don't want to gain and lose what's most important. So that's the premise that we worked with Sunday. And so having said that, we're going to stay in one chapter. It's going to be Romans chapter 14. And so we're going to start with uh, the first verse. We're going to read the majority of them out of the New Living Translation. But a few verses we're going to show uh, in the English Standard Version. And verse one is going to be one of the ones we're going to do that. So this in the New Living says this, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. So one of the first things that we have to bring up is that many times when a person is a Christian, they have certain beliefs and convictions that they hold dear, near and dear to their heart. They have certain core values. The problem with that is people can get very dogmatic about their core values to the point where they become very argumentative about anybody that sees things any different. And then they slip into not being a good Christian because they end up being very combative, very debate oriented, very uh, critical, very, if you don't see it the way I see it, you going to hell, your church going to hell, your pastor ain't teaching right. You, you need to come to listen to my pastor because we we got it right. And that really is a low level of Christianity. And so Paul was dealing with that because it's something that happened way, way back then, because it's actually a human. Uh, it's a human problem that when we think we're right, we have a tendency to think everyone who doesn't think just like that is automatically wrong. It's a all or nothing type of attitude. So I want to look at it, the English Standard Version, because that breaks it down even further. It says this, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. So it's talking about someone weak in faith. So, so someone who doesn't, then maybe even not at your level of Christianity. They, they are, they're new, they're growing, they're weak in areas. The Bible says welcome them, but don't welcome them for the sole purpose of fighting over opinions. So in other words, you may think you know why they're weak in their faith. Uh, if they would do it like me, or if they would go to church like me, or if they had the pastor that I had, or if they read what I read, or if they got the books that I had, or the they know the verses I have, they wouldn't be weak in their faith. In other words, so they accept these people only to try to correct them. 
they accept these people only to try to debate them or let's let's just make it real simple. They accept people so they can put them in check. Oh, I can't wait to get so-and-so in check. He think he's saved. He think he's a Christian. Like, hey, I can't wait to tell him my new revelation. And so what Paul is saying, actually, don't do that. Accept your brother, but not for the sole purpose of debating, but actually accept them just because you're a good person. You're a good Christian and you want to help someone. Sometimes when you're sitting with someone who's weak, bringing up why they're weak is not usually the best answer. Sometimes people just need you to sit with them. Well, listen, I know you've been having sex out of wedlock and listen, you ain't going to you get that right. Things ain't never going to go right in your life. And you know what? They may actually know that, but that may not be the first thing they need to hear. They may just need you to sit with them, do life with them, care for them because they're weak and so that that that's what better Christianity is about is is considering yourself thinking about when you step into someone else's shoes you you shouldn't always be critical. There comes a time to be critical. There comes a time because when we disciple others, sometimes we have to correct, we have to uh, reprove, sometimes we have to discipline. But some people are so quick to discipline, and that's not really the idea of being a better Christian. So let's bring up this very first point. We have to stop letting our opinions hinder our godliness. It's it's bad Christianity when people can't tell you are godly because you hold so strong to your opinion that you actually are no longer kind. You're no longer nice. You're just automatically argumentative. And some people will say some of the meanest people they've ever met are Christians. People who believe so strongly <laughs> that they don't know how to speak tenderly, speak softly. They're just ready to argue and debate because they've seen something in the scripture. You, you have to be baptized this way or else it's not right. I know I'm right. And really argumentative, really forceful and pushy to the point that the witness is very horrible, which is what we don't want to be. We want to operate in love. The Bible says we speak the truth but we do it in love. There's nothing wrong with telling someone the truth, but what is the motive behind it? Is it a motive of love or is it an argumentative motive? Is it, I'm right. Is it a my way or the highway? If it is, what we're saying is there's a better way to handle that. So let's look at verse two. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Uh, verse Three, those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not contemn those who do, for God has accepted them. And so to give us some, some context, if you know anything about Jesus, Jesus was a Jew. So when he came and when he uh, came to earth, he lived as a Jew. And so he practice all Jewish laws. But when he died, his his whole point of dying for the sins is for the sins of the whole world. And so Gentiles began to be included in the salvation message, which we would be considered Gentiles. And so you have Jews who grew up one way and they all they ever did was eat a certain way because of their laws, their Jewish laws. And now they're seeing these new people coming in and they're eating stuff that 
they never were allowed to eat. The Gentiles are eating stuff that they never were allowed to eat. So Jews were not allowed to eat pork. They were not allowed to do certain things. And so now God is blessing these other people who are eating pork. And it became a conflict because from their convictions, it is sinful to be eating anything that is not kosher or not law approved. But these Gentiles, they come from another background. They came from something else. And so now these two people are trying to coexist and they're coming at it from different angles and they end up being quarrels about it. No, I'm right. I'm right. And so this is what happens. People believe they're right based on how they grew up. They believe that, well, I grew up this way. This is all I know. So it has to be right. Well, it could be true. It may be right for you. Doesn't make it necessarily right for someone else. Here is a story that I tell all the time that I like to tell that shows the idea of sometimes how we can get caught in our tradition. So you have a uh, young lady who's newly married and she's uh, making a ham for her husband. And so she gets the ham, she opens it up and she cuts the end off of both, uh, both ends off the ham and puts it in the oven and cooks it. And the husband like is like, this is great, but why, why'd you cut the ends off of the ham? And she's like, cause that's how you cook a ham. And he's like, my mom, my mom never cooked a ham like that. And then they're arguing. And she's like, no, that is how you cook a ham. And so she asked her mom, mom, why do we cut the ends off of the ham? And the mom says, that's why we, I mean, that's how you cook a ham. That's the only way you could cook a ham. And so eventually the mom goes and asks her mom, which has been this lady's grandmother, why do you cut the ends off of a ham? And she's like, you don't have to. But growing up, my pan wasn't big enough to fit the whole ham. So I cut both ends off, threw it away and cooked it. So now it is passed down to generations. And now the wife is thinking that's the only way you can do it. And so when the husband asks the question, now they're arguing because in her mind, that was the only way it was right because that's how she grew up. But it, at the end of the day, it was not a law. It was just an opinion. And so be careful fighting over opinions and calling yourself a Christian because it may just be opinion. It may not be law. It may be what God wants for you. It may not have to be for everyone else. And so allow other people to live what they want to live. Now, if people are asking for your opinion and they're saying, I want you to disciple me, I want uh to do things the way you do things. It's okay for you to say like, okay, well, you said you wanted this. Now I'm telling you how to do it. In other words, if if uh, I have a personal trainer and they tell me, that, okay, we're going to run two miles a day. I'm like, no, I don't want to run two miles a day. Well, if I want to be trained by them, I'm going to have to do it their way because I'm coming to them. But it'd be different if a trainer just comes, knocks on my door, drags me out of my house and say, we're running two miles better like it or not. I'm like, wait a second, get out of my house. What are you doing? Some people are like that with their opinions. They force it on other people. And it's really not a good level of Christianity. All right, let's uh, read further. Let's look at verse four. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. Paul makes a very powerful statement. He said, who are you to judge someone else's servants? And basically what he's saying is the people don't belong to you. They belong to God. So who are you to judge someone else's servants? Because you're not the master. You're not the controller. 
They don't belong to you. So be careful how you force yourself into their life. So I work for General Motors and it would be like a uh, a supervisor from Ford coming into my plant and then telling me what I'm getting ready to write you up, Andre, because you're not doing it the Ford way. Well, I'm not doing it the Ford way because I don't belong to Ford. I belong to General Motors. So I'm going to do it that way. And uh, we actually can call the police on you, Mr. Ford supervisor, because you're trespassing. You're in the wrong lane. Now, if you're saying that to the Ford employees, you would be right. But you can't say that to the General Motors employees because you have nothing to do with that. And so Paul is saying you don't own these people. You can tell someone your opinion, but you can't lord it over people and be mad at people and fall out of relationship with people because they don't do it your way. There are some people that believe you should only read the King James Version. Every other version is uh, messed up, wicked and twisted by other people adding in. It's okay to have that opinion, but you mean to tell me that if you walked into my church and I'm preaching the New Living Translation that you're going to tell all the other saints, don't listen to that preacher. He's wrong. He's no good because he's using the wrong Bible. It sounds far-fetched, but there are Christians who believe that. They only know what they believe, and they are so narrow-minded that they fight and they fuss because they only think their brand is right. And what it's done is caused so many breakdowns in Christianity. So we don't want to be that way. We want to be better Christians and we're going to allow, we want to allow for other people. We're going to allow breathing room because we don't control anybody. We're just trying to do life with people. We're trying to communicate Christ's love compassionately. So that leads us to this point. People belong to God, not you. Humans make awful masters. We see that in slavery we see that in human trafficking. Humans were not made to be masters. Humans were made to be servants of the God of the universe. And we're supposed to be coexisting and working together to serve that God. So when I think that it's my job to master or lord it over other people, I'm moving in a way that is not very healthy. Here's another point. Only weak-minded people feel the need to control other humans. Something that we have uh, heard a lot more than I've heard now than I did when I was a younger child is because it's become more prevalent and it's been pointed out, especially as we've talked about mental health, but it's the idea of narcissistic people and narcissistic behavior. It's something that is more readily talked about now, but it's a, it's a really horrible spirit spirit filled with pride. But one of, one of the things about it is manipulation and control come with the idea of narcissism and people who are caught up in that. If you try to go your own way, they will do everything they can to manipulate and control to get things their way. Cause they only see things their way, but it makes it a weak minded person has to control other people. Leaders lead by influence and they lead by example. Sometimes they lead by their words, but they never forcefully have to make people follow them. A good leader does not have to control a good leader. People buy into them because they believe in them. They just are influenced about them and something about them that says, hey, I know I've been doing it this way all my life, but I'm looking at you. I want to do it your way. That's good leadership. But control is not leadership. 
So Paul was warning them about the idea of trying to control others because people don't belong to you. They belong to God. All right. So verse five says this in the same way. Some so he's switching conversations, but in the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. So he said, you really have to be fully convinced for yourself. So an example in uh, Christendom now, there's something called the Latter-day Saints. Latter-day Saints, they worship on Saturday based on uh, the uh, the Jewish Sabbath would have been from sundown uh, Friday to uh, sundown Saturday. So they believe the Sabbath is Saturday. So they actually go to church on Saturday. Many of the other Protestant churches and some and Catholic churches, they celebrate on Sunday or they go to church on Sunday because they believe that the Lord was resurrected on a Sunday. Now, I could, since I go to church on Sunday and have all my life, I could look at the people who go to church on Saturday and just be like, well, you guys are foolish. That's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. Don't you understand the resurrection of the Lord? Or I can just back off and realize people are going to church. You know, like if they're going to church on Saturday or Sunday, either way, people are worshiping the Lord. They don't have to do it my way in order for me to be okay. Because at the end of the day, I'm still going to worship on Sunday. So it doesn't affect me. So I can let it go. I can be okay with that. A prominent person who uh, believes that way would be Devon Franklin. He's uh, in the uh, movie industry, but he's a notable Christian and he grew up that way and always has gone to church and worship on Saturday. But God, I've seen the results of his life. He's, he's made an impact in the uh, Hollywood arena and he hasn't compromised his love for the Lord. How foolish would it be for me to say, well, he's stupid because we go to church on Sunday. That's just dumb. That's just ignorant. Well, maybe that's just my opinion. Maybe God is okay with him going to church on Sun, uh, Saturday. And maybe God's okay for me going to church on, uh, Sundays, him going to church on Saturday, me going to church on Sunday. It's not that big of a deal. And there's so many different things. It's, it's the way people are baptized. Some through scriptures believe you can only be baptized in Jesus name. Others believe it's the father, son, and the Holy ghost. Some believe you can't uh, be saved if you don't speak in tongues. Others believe that speaking in tongues is not a sign of salvation. And there's scriptures that people uh, use and people have fought over that and they've just missed the big picture. So I grew up in a church where there were people who spoke in tongues, but there's a notable, uh, notable man who really made a difference all around America and beyond who never ever spoke in tongues and said it, Billy Graham. Everybody's heard of the name Billy Graham. Billy Graham made a huge impact in America and around the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when they asked him about speaking in tongues, he said, I've never done it. So me growing up under preachers who did speak in tongues, am I going to say, well, Billy Graham, I, I, well, I don't care what he did. He going to hell because he didn't do it the way my pastor did it. That makes no sense at all. And one thing I like about Billy Graham is he never would say that the other preachers who did speak in tongues, he'd say, I don't uh, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with them. I just personally hasn't haven't done it. It didn't seem to be for me. But for those who believe it and do it, 
it's okay. So we have to learn how to allow other people to exist according to the relationship that God has given them and not be so opinionated and so critical. And when we think about what the devil is doing in the land, the last thing we need to do is be fighting with other believers over the silly things, over the stupid things. Let's say there is a uh, group of homeless people who need to be fed. And we have two people making the macaroni and not one person can't make the macaroni all because there's too many homeless people that need to be fed. So we need at least two people. Let's let's make it even larger than that. We need 100 people to make the macaroni because there's a thousand people that are hungry. Well, guess what? All 100 people are not going to make the macaroni the same. But at the end of the day, the goal is to feed the people who are hungry. So we're not going to fight over what, 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 what are you doing putting paprika in the macaroni? There's no way you should do that. What do you what do you do using sharp cheddar? You're supposed to use Velveeta. What happened if all the people fought and then nobody got fed? It would make no sense. So you are have to put down the little things so that the big picture can be done. So we got to stop making mountains out of molehills. And so that's what Paul was talking about. And it was going on back in his day, because at the end of the day, we're Christian, but we're humans. But we want to be better at that. All right, let's look at verse six. Those who worship the Lord on a special day, do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food, do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. Paul was putting it all in perspective. All these people, they're really just trying to please the Lord. One's doing it one way, another's doing it another way. But we don't really need to fight about it because... At the end of the day, they're really trying to please the Lord. So you say, I'm not talking about the people, the wicked people who are not trying to please the Lord and who are purposely, purposely trying to cause trouble. We're not talking about those people. We're talking about all these people who really love the Lord, want to please the Lord, want to honor the Lord. They're just doing it in a different way. So back to the previous example, all these people want to help feed the homeless. They just happen to be making macaroni in different ways, but they're all trying to feed the homeless. And what you should do is let the homeless, hungry people, let them choose. They may eat this macaroni and say, oh, I don't like that. I want to try this other one. Yeah, let them be the one to choose. Let them to, uh, choose. And we're not going to fight about it. We're just going to serve it, put it out there, and then we'll we'll let them choose. And in, in the relationship with God, since we're all trying to honor God, we'll let him choose what he wants for us. If he doesn't want me worshiping on Sunday, He'll help move me to a place where they worship on Saturday. If you don't want me worship on Saturday, he'll direct me to a place that worships on Sunday. I'm not going to fight about it. I'm just going to try to honor God and leave it in God's hands. That's what Paul was sharing with them. So looking at uh, verse 10, we're dropping down. So he makes this point again. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will stand before the judgment seat of God. And so verse 12 says this, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. And so that is the major focus. It's a personable relationship. And so it's not so much about what I think is right for Ella, what I think is right for John, what I think is right for Benny. It's about what God thinks is right for them because it's a personal relationship. And so we use this uh, point here, point number four, worry about yourself. 
So one of the best things you can do to be a better Christian is actually worry about yourself. Doesn't mean that you don't, you're not concerned about other people's walk because you are a disciple. You are willing to help other people. But if they haven't asked for your opinion, if they haven't asked for your help, if they haven't asked for your leadership and your guidance, one of the best things you can do is worry about yourself. Stay in your lane. You get in accidents when you get into other people's lane. Do what God has you to do. And what I've learned is God will attract people to you that he wants you to help. You don't have to jump into other people's things. Uh, there was a story some years ago uh, at a factory where there was a Christian who comes into the break room and sees these people playing cards. And he goes in, he takes and he knocks all the cards off of the break room table and tell them that they don't need to be playing cards. That's a sin. And in his mind, he was thinking about what happened when Jesus overturned the tables in the temple. But he was totally out of context. God maybe told him not to play cards, but that ain't got nothing to do with these other people. And what, what a horrible witness as a Christian to come in there and you got people who are just playing cards on their break. And here you come in being super speed of spiritual and deep and telling people that they're sinning. And these people are looking at you saying, I'm about to punch you in your mouth if you don't get your hands off of my cards. And what was wrong with you? And we have Christians that that think they're doing God a service and they're actually doing him a disservice because they're just they're just not good people. They're just not being good. They're not kind. They're not nice. But in their mind, they think that they have to save the world from sin. Jesus already did that. Just show Jesus in your walk, in your in your life. One of the easiest things you can do is just be kind. Be kind to people, saints and sinners alike. Be kind to people. You may not agree with the homosexual lifestyle, but it doesn't mean you can't be kind to people. You may not agree with the transgender, but it doesn't mean you can't be kind to people. Just show the love of Jesus. That will go a long way. And so Paul was trying to help them. And I, and I, I came up with this point thinking of a video I watched some years ago that I love. And it was just a man who was vid videoing his daughter, who's maybe two years old at Tops. And he's in the front seat and his daughter's in the back seat trying to buckle her seatbelt in her car seat. And so she asked, he asked his daughter, do you need any help? And she's like, no, daddy. And then he asked again and she's like, no, daddy. And then the dad says, well, sweetie, what do you want me to do? And she said, worry about yourself. In a polite way, but it was so cute. She was saying, you stay up in the front seat. I got this. And uh, he, he was able to video it and it went viral. It was so funny. But it reminds me that sometimes people, you have to learn to let them struggle to get the seatbelt buckled of their own life because that's how they learn. You can't always jump in and try to fix because you mess things up. And another story that I always tell that helps us understand this is that uh, Joyce Myers tells a story about a man who's seen a caterpillar in the cocoon breaking out and he was struggling to get out to become a caterpillar. So the guy goes in and he touches the cocoon thinking he's going to help the caterpillar come out to be the butterfly. But what happened is he interrupted the process and it came out half caterpillar, half butterfly. In other words, he actually messed it up totally. It was turning into something beautiful, but he put his hands in there and he actually messed it up. 
So be careful stepping into other people's lives when God is working on them, working on their process. And you're so eager to have them look like you the way you want it done that you're actually messing up what God is doing. So worry about yourself. That helps you become a better Christian. Verse 13. So let's stop condemning each other. He keeps bringing this point up over and over. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Okay, so now we're going to turn the conversation because Paul's making a shift, but we're going to do a summary uh, before we do that. But before we go to the summary, it reminds me of uh, a message I preached about the middle of last year. We I preached a message, message called Judgmental Christians. And we talked about how it's okay to judge, but we have to be doing it in the right way. And so in this uh these two sermons could actually go together. Piggybacking off of that, what Paul is saying is you have to make sure you're not condemning people. And that's the thing. When you're putting people down, you're belittling people, you're being mean and harmful to people. That is not godly at all. You cannot say that you are a witness for God and you're doing that. You should only look down on people to help them up, to pick them up to get down and do life with people. And if you can't, if you don't understand something, my father-in-law taught me this years ago, what you don't understand, just don't put your mouth on. So I may not understand the struggle of the gay lifestyle. And I have someone who says that they're saved and they say they're gay. Maybe I don't understand that, but that doesn't mean I got to put my mouth on it. And what I mean by putting my mouth on it, that don't mean I have to talk about it. Oh, you know, so-and-so, they think they're going to go to heaven and they just gay and blah, 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 blah. How are you helping? It could be just good for you just to shut up. Leave it alone. It's a possibility that God already understands their struggle, has already accepted them, and has decided that they are going to make it to heaven. And here you are thinking they're wrong for being gay when you're really wrong for gossiping. You're the one about to miss out because you're over there running your mouth. So learn how to not condemn people. Let God do his work in people and worry about yourself. So here, let's give us a recap that will help us. So better Christians, A, they don't condemn others with their opinions. They worry about themselves. And here's the other point. They try not to make others stumble. They try not to make others stumble. So this is where the conversation shifts in the scripture. So let's make the shift with Paul, verse 14. I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person, it is wrong. So Paul goes on to say, he, he goes on to tell his own opinion. He's like, we're not going to fight over the opinions of what we should eat and what we shouldn't eat. But he, he begins to tell his opinion. But for me, I know it's, it's not a problem. What I eat is not a problem, but. My goal is not to hinder anybody else. So if it's a problem for someone else, what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to make what I believe caught be a stumbling block for someone else. So I'm going to be very careful of even how I share what I believe and how I do what I believe, because at the end of the day, I care about my fellow person. So if it's a struggle for them, I'm not going to make it a big issue. So let, let's give it an example that would be more on our speed. So let's say a person who is a Christian, they don't believe you should listen to secular music at all. I have secular music in my car and this person is going to ride with me somewhere. We're going to ride to Indianapolis. It's an hour ride to Indianapolis. It's not going to hurt me one bit not to make sure no secular music is played because I don't want to hinder that person. 
when, once they get out of my car, I can turn it back on. But I'm so caring about how they feel, even though I don't feel that way, but I care about how they feel. I'm willing to accommodate someone else. So number one, we don't condemn others, but we're willing to come accommodate others because at the end of the day, we love everybody. So, hey, if that bothers you, not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Oh, you have lung issues. I'm not going to smoke around you, even though I feel like I can smoke and, and go to heaven. I'm not going to smoke around you because I know that it's going to cause you to cough and it'll hurt you. I'm going to make sure I don't do that. I'm going to make sure because I care about you. So so Paul was beginning to turn the conversation in that direction. Let's look at verse 15. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Another uh, scripture says it this way. Don't let your freedom become an occasion to the flesh. Don't let your freedom hurt someone else. Don't let what you believe hurt someone else. It's okay to believe what you believe and stay in your lane, but don't let it hurt someone. Don't condemn someone with what you believe, but also don't hurt someone. If it's going to offend them, it's okay to take down and do something different. It's not going to hurt you to go out of your way for the sake of someone else. So, uh, like, uh, I'm not a vegan, but let's say that uh, I'm inviting someone over to my house to eat, to have fellowship with them. I'm not going to serve a whole bunch of meat knowing that they're vegan. I'm not going to try to serve stuff that that's going to be hard for them and be like, well, hey, you're in my house. You're in my house. You got to eat what we eat. Well, no, I invited you in. If I invited you in, I should be accommodating to your needs. Now, for my children, maybe I'll make meat for them so they can eat somewhere else. But I'm going to do everything I can to accommodate you because I love you. I care for you. So that's a simple example. But in the larger thing, when it comes to Christian Christians, being better Christians, let's accommodate the next person if we can. If it, if it, if it doesn't hinder us. And it doesn't hurt us. What does it matter to accommodate? And that's what Paul was saying. So verse 16, then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. So he says that if you believe it's okay to do it, but you do it in such a way that is non-accommodating and is actually hurting someone, what happens is you're going to be criticized. You're going to be criticized for doing something you think is okay. So to avoid all that, just learn how to do things that benefit uh, unity and community and fellowship. When you're by yourself, do what you do. Whatever floats your boat, do it. As long as it's when in the realm of godliness, it's okay. But when you're doing life with other people and you're around other people or you're in a public space, learn how to do things differently so you're not criticized. And so it's not that we are afraid of criticism, but let's not take on unnecessary criticism because we are not thinking about someone else or we're being selfish. I love all kinds of fish. I love uh, uh, whiting. I like catfish. I like salmon. I like tilapia. I like all kinds of fish. But the worst fish I've ever had is selfish. And when you are around the selfish people, that's the worst kind of fish. So let's not be selfish in the way that we live. All right, moving right along. Number five, better Christians keep the main thing, the main thing. So here's the main thing. Romans 14, 17 says this. 
For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The King James says it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. He says, actually, at the end of the day, we're really focused on the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is really not about do's or don'ts. It's really not about our opinions and our debates. It's really not about how I see it and you see it. It's really about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So if I can accommodate you and it doesn't hurt my righteousness, doesn't hurt my peace, it doesn't hurt my joy, it's okay. Let's do it. If you can accommodate me. In other words, if you invite me to a service on a Saturday, well, shoot, if I go to your service on Saturday, I'm going to have to go to my service on Sunday. But is it going to hurt my righteousness, my peace and my joy? No, it actually might add to my righteousness, my peace and my joy. So guess what? I'm going to go with you on Saturday and I'm going to go to my church on Sunday because it's going to promote righteousness, peace and joy. It's actually going to advance the kingdom. So let's keep the main thing the main thing. If it's about righteousness, peace and joy, hey, let's not fight over the, the small things. All right, let's look at verse 18. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. In other words, we're not talking about wicked people, but we're talking about good people. Good people won't criticize you. They will actually approve of you because they'll know he's pleasing God. I may not agree with how he does it, but I can tell he has a heart for God. So some pastor may think, I don't really like the way Pastor Andre is on social media and he's he's joking, he's laughing, he's not always serious. I'm a serious pastor, but it's not hurting anything, so I'm not going to criticize him. I'm going to leave it alone. It may not be what I would do as a pastor, but it seems to work for him, so I'm going to let him do his thing. That's a good pastor who's saying it may not be me, but I think it works for him and it works for his members, so I'm not going to criticize it. I'm actually going to champion and say, hey, you're doing good. And I've had other pastors tell me that, hey, you're doing good. You're funny. You're do- doing great. I may, Maybe I wouldn't do it. It wouldn't work for my church, but it works for you. And I think you're doing a good job. That helps me. That's a blessing to me because even though I'm doing it doesn't mean I always know if it's the best thing to do. I'm just trying different things. And to, so to have someone else who doesn't do it my way to say, hey, I I appreciate you. That's a blessing. And so... By the same token, there are some people who some uh, pastors who are more serious than I am. It's OK for me to uh, not criticize them and say, hey, I'm, I'm glad you do it your way, because sometimes you need both. You need the yin and the yang. You need the salt and the pepper. You need the peanut butter and the jelly. We need a lot of things to make this thing work. So it's OK if we please God. Others are going to approve of it. Now, wicked people, they're not going to approve of anything. So we don't worry about wicked people, people who just always want to criticize. That's not who we're focused on. We're focused on the good, godly people. If we please God, they're going to be okay with it. Oh, I wonder, should I do this? I wonder, will my pastor be mad if I do this, if I do that? Well, guess what? If you please God, I'll have no problem with it. All you got to do is please God. That should be the focus. So we keep the main thing the main thing. All right. Here's point number six. Better Christians don't spend a lot of time criticizing others. But others spend a lot of time approving them because God is pleased with them. So better Christians, that the first thing they don't think to do is who can I look at to criticize? They don't think about that because they're really worrying about themselves. And as they're worrying about themselves, they're worrying about pleasing God. And once they please God, what they find out is other people actually approve of them. You know what, Benny? It's something about you I like. I just can't put my finger on it. It's just something about you that I like. I appreciate you. 
You start getting compliments where you didn't used to get compliments because you're not worried about everybody else. You're worried about your relationship with God. In other words, our relationship with God is vertical. But as we work on our vertical, it blesses our horizontal. In other words, as I touch God and God touches me, other people are touched because as I please God, other people are blessed. Now, of course, the wicked people, we don't care about them because they are led by Satan. and Satan's going to nitpick every little thing. So we're not focused on that. But real people, real people who are not influenced by Satan, many times they're touched by us. When we get our vertical together, the horizontal is touched as well. So we don't focus on criticizing other people. We just focus on pleasing God. That's our main goal. All right. Verse 19. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. So now we have a clear directive on being a better Christians. Let's aim for harmony in the church. Let's aim on being together. We're better together than we are apart. Now, we say it in theory, but it really doesn't seem to be lived out, especially when you see the political arena. But we're called the United States of America. But sometimes we look like the divided states because we're just fighting, fighting, fighting. And we got then when whenever the, the politics rolls around, just fight, 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 fight. And I wonder how other countries are looking at us. We don't seem so united. Well, it's not my goal to really fix the United States. But when it comes to the church, we should be totally different. We should be united. We don't all have to all believe the same thing. If I'm a Hoosier and you're a Buckeye, we're not going to believe the same thing. I'm going to root for Indiana teams. You're going to root for Ohio teams. But at the end of the day, we still all are Americans. Same thing with the church. But in a larger realm, we may not see things all the same way, but we're all Christians. We were all bought by the same blood, the blood of Jesus on the cross. So at the end of the day, we should be promoting harmony. We should be promoting peace and hair grease. We should be promoting love and joy, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And if we would do that, churches wouldn't fight. People wouldn't be falling out. There wouldn't be church splits and all that other junk and foolishness has happened in the past. So what God is saying is moving forward, we could really help this divided United States. We could help them if the church would get their act together. So it's hard for them to get their act together when we won't get our act together. So let's look at it one more time. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. All right. So point number seven, better Christians. Main goal is harmony. So if you don't get along with nobody, not even the birds in the back of your house, the squirrels don't like you, the dogs don't like you, it might be something wrong with your Christianity. You should live in a way in such a way that there's harmony. Of course, there's going to be some people that don't like you. There's going to be you're going to have that. So we're not talking about that. But the majority of the people who interact with you should just feel something from you, especially if you belong to Deliverance Temple. They should feel the love of God. You're communicating Christ's love compassionately. So as we're looking for better to come to us and reaching better in all kinds of other areas, let's focus on what we know we can focus on. This part is really, really easy. Let's focus on being harmonious, united, and flowing in love. So let's put it all together as we close Better Christians, A, don't condemn others with their opinions. B, they worry about themselves. C, they try not to make others stumble. And D, they focus on harmony in the kingdom. Verse 20, and uh, these the rest of the verses, I'll just read through these. Verse 20 says this, don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, 
but it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. Paul is just reiterating his point again. Verse 21, it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they might, that something they have decided is right. I will point this out for a second. What we're not talking about is being phony. Just because you hide certain aspects of your life doesn't mean you're being phony. It sometimes means you're using discretion and you're showing wisdom. I think it's okay, but I don't want to hinder anyone else. So I'm going to actually keep it private. I'm not really going to uh, to show it. So I, I use the, the example of uh, dress. So you say so a woman who's actually been losing weight and they look really, really good. And they know they could wear more revealing clothes, but they think I'm going to church and I really don't want the focus to be on my body. Even though I've been working hard on my body and I've been getting, getting in shape, I really don't want that to be the focus because there may be a single man there that might, instead of worshiping God, they might be looking at my body parts. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to dress less revealing. It doesn't make me less of a person. It doesn't mean that, that I'm uh, dumbing myself down. I'm just thinking about the other person. Or I use the example on Sunday that when I occasionally drink alcohol, I only tell you so that you know, because I want to be honest with you. But all by the same token, if I was to go out with you, I wouldn't order it. I wouldn't drink it just because I don't want to take something that I feel free in. And I don't want to uh, cast it in the downlight. I'm your leader. So I want to always look like your leader. Not that I'm being phony. I'm just using discretion and wisdom. So that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, don't take what you believe and make a, make it a stumbling block for someone else because then you're not working on harmony. So another example of that, I was with some people who I really respect it, but they believe that you're supposed to be baptized in Jesus name. When I was baptized, I was baptized in the father, name of the father, the son and the Holy Ghost. So what I decided to do, I decided I would get baptized with them. I allowed them to baptize me and they baptized me in Jesus name. It wasn't going to hurt me at all to do it the way they believe. I wouldn't like, listen, before you put your hands on me, I want to go down and Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. This is the way I know it. This is the way I believe it. Based on this scripture, that scripture, that wouldn't have made any sense. What I was trying to do, I was trying to fellowship with people. I was trying to harmonize with people. So I was accepting of doing it their way. Because at the end of the day, I like Jesus' name too. So hey, dunk me any kind of way. As long as it's got Jesus in it, God in it, I'm okay with it. So that's all Paul is saying. So I don't want to beat that horse too much because I want to get us out of here. Verse 23. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning. If you go ahead and do it for you're not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. And so I want to use this verse in the English Standard Version too. It says this. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat because he eats not of faith for whatever whatsoever is not of faith. He is sin. So here's the final context. If every time you try to do it, you feel convicted, you feel bothered and you don't have a peace about it. You can't do it in faith. It's not for you. Don't do it. Let it go. Don't worry about what someone else is doing. Well, pastor says he's able to, to drink a glass of wine every now and then and he's OK. But um, I don't think I could do that because I've, I've had trouble in the past. Well, that's fine. Do what works for you. It's okay. So don't do anything that you don't have faith in, that you don't can't have a clear conscience in. And if you've done some things and then after a while you just don't feel good about it, not a problem. Just don't do it again. It's okay. 
You're still part of the kingdom of God and it's all okay. The idea is we know better is coming to us. So what we want to do is focus on being better Christians. All right, let's uh, bow our head and let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you and praise you. We honor you. We love you. We appreciate you. God, we truly are, want to be better Christians, so we don't want to condemn others. We don't want to hurt others. We want to live in harmony. We want peace and joy and righteousness and the Holy Ghost to be aspects of our life. We want to please you, and as we please you, others will be blessed, and God, we thank you for it. So help us as we live our vision every day to ultimately always be communicating Christ's love compassionately. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, saints and friends. We love you.